Whistleblower Report, exposing lies, deceptions, and all that has assaulted our way of life. We must take back our freedom and live as God designed in a free America that honors our Constitution and our Creator. Our experts in medicine, ministry, law, military, environment, and education empower us to grow together as a nation. such a time as this, the Whistleblower Report offers truth and solutions. Welcome to the Whistleblower Report. This is Dr. Lee for America, and we're here today with a legal report in a sense because it refers to some of the aspects that have under, undermined aviation safety and the health and safety of our commercial airline pilots. We've done many programs on what's happening in the military, but today we want to focus on aviation safety for not only the flight crews and pilots, but of course that means the American flying public as well. And what are the airlines, the major airlines, what are they doing that is continuing to attack airline pilots over the vaccine mandates and continuing to undermine aviation safety? We're going to hear from an airline, a commercial airline captain today who has been flying since he immigrated to the United States in 1984 and has been working with commercial airlines ever since. I'll tell you more about his background in a moment. But the concern that I have for all of us is that at a time when our figurehead president gets up and says, oh, the COVID pandemic is over and we don't have any public health emergency for COVID anymore, why are we still having situations where airline pilots are not allowed to provide their services related to carryover from the COVID mandates? Why are we still having a problem with these vaccine mandates when the original, some of the original vaccines have been deauthorized. It makes no sense. And when we have corporations, and this applies across the board in corporate sectors, all corporate sectors of our economy, we've seen it in big medicine with hospital corporations dictating medical treatment policy for employees, nurses and doctors and healthcare workers, for example. We've seen it in law firms. We've seen it in investment firms. We've seen it in schools and universities. And we are still seeing it with the major commercial airline companies in terms of their continued mandates and persecution of employees over what were from the beginning 
unlawful mandates for experimental products. Not a single COVID shot was ever FDA approved. No COVID mask was ever FDA approved. No COVID test kit was ever FDA approved. Every single one of the mandated products has been from the get-go experimental use authorization and cannot be legally mandated for anyone, military or civilian. People are still not aware of that critical point. Every employee, every military service member across America has had the legal right to refuse all of these EUA products, especially the dangerous COVID shot that is causing so much death and disability and chronic skyrocketing health problems. Speaking as a physician in medical practice, I'm seeing the damage in patients across the country that have been my patients for a long time who were pressured into getting the shot either to keep their job or by other doctors who hadn't bothered to do any research about the risk of an experimental COVID shot. So we're going to hear today from Captain Saliba, who, as I said, immigrated to the U.S. from Lebanon in 1984. Some of you may recall that it was in 1983 that the U.S. Marine base in Lebanon was bombed and we lost many of our Marines that had been there to help the people of Lebanon. When he emigrated to the U.S., he became a flight instructor for fixed wing and rotorcraft helicopter and then worked for several airlines before joining his current airline in 1997. He has been a captain at this same airline since 2004. He is laser focused on safety for everyone. And his flying record has been impeccable. So we're going to hear from him. He is literally, and to my knowledge, the only currently employed airline pilot in the country whose services are still being withheld over the mandates that the president has made a great show of ending. It makes no sense. And we are here to hear his story today and have him tell us more about what's going on behind the scenes and what do you as a member of the public need to understand about what is being done that as it affects the airline employee's freedom, it affects yours as well and may affect your life when airline safety is at stake. Captain Saliba, thank you for your service in the airline industry and and as a pilot dedicated to safety as someone who has spent a lot of time in commercial airplanes over my adult life and career. I greatly appreciate those of you that care deeply about safety. So thank you for joining us today. Tell us what's been going on for you. Good morning, uh, Dr. Lee, and thank you for uh, hosting me today. It's uh, really, really important to address a few few critical areas in the in the airline industry that uh, the airlines have undermined 
greatly from the medical standpoint and from the legal standpoint, and that uh, directly affect uh, pilots and passengers as well. As, as uh, everybody knows, the COVID uh, crisis, or I believe it is a, an intentional fabrication to achieve certain objectives uh, began, and that, that's a completely different subject that, that can be discussed a different time. But uh, as it relates to the uh, airline industry, I immediately realized that something is wrong once the airlines began demanding uh, masking of the pilots and passengers as well. So in, in the early, early on, uh, the customer base of the airlines started dropping because of the crisis and the airlines needed to bring the people back on airplanes, as I was actually told by uh, management personnel in one of the meetings that I had to go through. And their fix for that was to mask everybody. And masking is really dangerous in aviation. And it does send a certain message to the population as well, that message of obedience and conformity. Yes, I would definitely agree about the medical dangers of masking, not only the, the passengers, but, but the flight crews. I mean, one of the things that struck me from the beginning as a physician is that, that I know that on most commercial flights, the cabin pressure is equivalent to an altitude of, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but roughly about seven to 9,000 feet, depending upon the flight and how duration and, and altitude and all of that. But when you start putting a mask on the face of the crew and the passengers and building up carbon dioxide and decreasing oxygen at an altitude where the oxygen is lower anyway, I mean, that'd be like going to 7,000 feet in Aspen and having trouble breathing which has happened. Um, so I was very worried about that from the beginning. And in fact, I, I made a conscious decision just on medical grounds that if I had to wear a mask for that long, that was not safe and I would not fly. I would not do it. I wasn't worried about catching COVID because I was going to take my hydroxychloroquine. But, but I was more worried about the damage to my brain and lungs from being in a mask that long. Yes, I, I agree. Roughly 7,500 feet would be on average the cabin pressure on for most uh, for most flights. Uh, the reason being uh, airliners do cruise at the most efficient altitude and uh, that would put the cabin right around 7,500 feet. But I've seen people have a very hard time walking in airport terminals with the mask on. They have oh, to stop yeah. and stop and, and catch their breath. And uh, ironically, uh, people did not know this. And that's one of the things that I began uh, exposing and, and teaching pilots or, or flight attendants or anybody who would listen to me. And that is in the mask order, there was an exemption that said, if you feel that you need to remove the mask to catch your breath, you may do so in airport terminals, right? 
you may do so, but once you catch your breath, you got to put the mask back on, which is ironic. I mean, the reason why you, 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 you know, you have to remove the mask to catch your breath and then you got to put the mask back on is just absurd. Uh, it's, it's dangerous, particularly it dangerous, yes. for the older dang- people out of shape, people who are overweight, which is two thirds of the American population. Yes. Um, no, it, it is very dangerous. And I was screaming about that medically from the beginning. You're, 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 you're correct. But to, to, to answer, to be more specific on the, on the passenger's uh, side of the equation, the airliners or the aircraft and crew members uh, have to follow certain regulations to certify aircraft to cruise at a certain altitude. Um, the FAA with uh, with the uh, help of the military determine certain times of useful consciousness. So there are tables that have been uh, created to determine the time of useful consciousness at a certain altitude. And that would be the time a person would, would uh, be able to react to a cabin depressurization and don an oxygen mask on or be able to function for the few seconds that he that, that, that the person can uh, until the airplane has descended to an altitude where there's no need for oxygen anymore. So that's what's called the time of useful consciousness. Now, those tables have been created and established years ago. And those all those tables have been established without any restriction to breathing. So now you introduce a new factor, which is the restriction. Where do, what happens to those tables? Those tables are no longer valid. No longer valid. That means that the airlines were operating outside the operating specifications that they received by the FAA, which incidentally, the FAA did not regulate masking at all which then means that it, it doubles down on the fact that the airlines were operating outside the law by forcing people to put a mask on. And furthermore, when you bought a ticket, you had to check a box that says, I will put a mask on. What you have, or what you have consented to is a contractual, basically a contractual agreement. You have a contract. This is what I was talking about earlier before we started the show, is the cons- the consent. You just consented to a contract to put a mask on during the flight, and the airlines did not disclose the risks associated with this practice. So now they're selling you a product that is completely um, n- not, not truthful, truthfully advertised for. So I would say the FCC here... Uh, would have something to say about that. Well, yes, if any, if any of the normal regulations were being followed, they all ignored the regulations. Yes. That, that's what's so staggering about what's happened. And you're right. I'm glad you explained that about useful consciousness because I, I was aware that you had to, there had to be certain time limits and constraints so that people had enough enough time to put on an oxygen mask i mean that's really important and and i dare say that most of the people who've been on planes have no idea 
that there actually are specified guidelines for that and that they were not following them. Yes, that, that is correct. And you would be surprised how an individual would behave under an emergency. You might think, well, it's so simple. You just remove the the mask and put your oxygen mask on. You'd be surprised how many people would fail to do that. And they would. Oh, I'm not surprised at all because they are, you know, when you have a mask on and, and you're on a plane like that, dry air, dehydration and lower, you know, the altitude of 7,500 feet, they're somnolent. They have, they are not thinking clearly. That, that's correct. Now, how about the flight attendants? Flight attendants are supposed to comply with the regulations, and that would just completely uh, be a, a violation of the regulation because they're there for your safety. They're not there to serve drinks and, and food or whatever. Uh, they, under the law, they have to receive training, for example, for operations above 25,000 feet. That is under... Uh, 14 CFR 121, 383, I believe. No, 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 417. So they would have to receive training for oxygenation, emergencies of decompression, uh, all sorts of things. And they have to learn about time of useful consciousness and how they sh- how to act in case of a decompression, an emergency. And nobody, nobody received any training from the airline. The airline did not even create a program or a training program for the crew members. And this is where I'm, I'm saying they were operating outside their operating specifications that, that is authorized by the FAA. Since, since the FAA did not regulate the masks, the airlines essentially operated outside the law. Now, they had the choice. They could have flown at lower altitudes like 10,000 feet where the cabin is not pressurized and, or it's closer to uh, ground level. But at 10,000 feet, passengers don't need to, to be on oxygen. But at 10,000 feet, guess what? They'll be burning so much gas that it would, be, it would be unprofitable. So the whole thing is about profit. For the airline, it's not about safety, it's about profit. They wanted to bring the people back on airplanes, so they instituted the masking for people. Before even the mask mask orders came out, they started that themselves. And then they wouldn't mitigate any risk by flying at lower altitudes. No, we're going to keep operating as normal and still keep making money. Never mind safety. Safety is is went, went by the wayside. It was not important anymore for the airlines. And I objected, I objected to, to all those uh, policies to the airline. And as a result, I have been punished uh, since December 6, 2021, until as, as, as we talk today, I'm still uh, unable to go back to flying because they refuse to let me back. Um, and they claim that I am somehow not fit for duty. And they are demanding that I go to a, a psychiatric evaluation, basically. <laughs> Because oh, I, weaponization of psychiatry has been a huge problem throughout uh, the pandemic. I've seen it done to military service members and to doctors and to other employees who speak out. Absolutely. Are you are you pursuing any legal action? 
I am, I am, and and uh, we can we can address that in the next uh, segment. I I would like to do to address some of that, but I'd also like to let you know that Truth for Health Foundation has a medical freedom legal defense program where human and civil rights are violated. The IRS allows a 501c3 public charity with the support of our donors to provide legal defense grants for applicants who meet the criteria. And this is something that that I've been very interested in as the CEO of the foundation to look at for the broader flying public, are there some seminal cases that we should be getting behind as a public charity concerned about public safety and the public good? So I do want us to talk about it to the extent that you can. And I think you've brought up some points today that most listeners had no idea were taking place. Number one, that the flight attendants did not have any specialized additional new safety training for oxygenation emergency handling above 25,000 feet in an environment where everyone, including the flight attendants and passengers, all have to have masks that are interfering with oxygenation of the brain, which affects complex thinking and rapid action. It does. It does absolutely, and 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 I have a I have a statement by uh, one of the managers who, uh, during one of the uh, disciplinary hearings that I went through, uh, and, and prior to the disciplinary hearing, I, I had asked for all the documents that the airline relied on to create their policy, and during the hearing, uh, they didn't provide me with anything. By the way, uh, and and during the hearing, he was very clear in telling me that. There are none. There are none. The only thing that's available is the statement made, made by, the, by, the, by the company that this is the policy. This is, wait a minute. So you, you instituted a policy without any studies. for Well, safety. and without complying with the FAA regulations. That is correct. That, that's that is stunning. Correct. That's yeah. stunning. Absolutely. And, uh, and, and, and it is part of my legal uh, argument and... and uh, defense or not defense actually uh attack i'm 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 on the attack let's put it this way i'm i'm not backing down i'm i'm fully on the attack because one it is unsafe two they attack my integrity and that is just absolutely not acceptable for me yes. and or any other pilot and i i have to say that pilots are have been duped bamboozled into believing that they don't have the power to uh, stop this, and and we all did. I mean, the pilots. We all did. We have something uh, that we carry with us all the time, and and I can talk about that here. I think we have some time in this first segment. Uh, early on, when they started forcing the pilots to put the mask on, this is before the 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 shots rolled out, right? I quickly realized that that is uh, an invasion of the authority of the pilot over his medical certification. See, pilots have two certificates that they have to have uh, on their person at all time. One is the pilot certificate that states the qualifications that a pilot uh, 
uh, has achieved. Uh, uh, that is like type of aircraft, uh, 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 what type of operation he can conduct. And the second one is the medical certificate. And the medical certificate is a contract. And this is what pilots really did not know. I, I don't think they, most pilots don't really see it that way. I see it that way because for a very simple, simple reason, and, I'll, I'll, and, and let, me, let me get into it re here real quick. Um, we, the people, hold the power. We elect Congress. Congress creates the law or enacts the law. In 1958, Congress enacted the Federal Aviation Act. So it's called the Federal Aviation Act of 1958. That is a law. In the act, under Section 104, it states there is hereby recognized and declared to exist in behalf of any citizen of the United States a public right of freedom of transit through the navigable airspace of the United States. So we have a right to transit in the airspace. Okay. For, for the average person, you transit by, by an airline ticket. For us pilots, we choose to fly airplanes. Therefore, our certification under the FAA, because the, the act created the FAA, so our certification allows us to exercise our rights. And in order to maintain social order, we have to have that. Otherwise, everybody and his brother will get in an airplane and go fly. And that can be dangerous for people on the ground. So we have to have some order. And the FAA is the agency that does that. So they issue the pilot certificate and they contract with medical professionals. We call those aeromedical examiners, AMEs, that conduct an examination of an individual and they issue a medical certificate. Now, the medical certificate itself is a contract, the way I look at it, because the individual going for the examination has to make a statement of health. And by doing so and signing that form, he's making a statement to the agency. And it's very, very important to understand that when you make that statement, you're making a truthful statement. Something that you are aware of it's truthful, and you can somehow back it up, not just a statement. Because there's another law under 18 U.S. Code, paragraph 1001, that talks, and it is on that application form, actually, that says that if you make a false statement, you're subject to $250,000 fine and five years in jail or both. Now, that goes across the board for any statement anybody makes to any federal agency. So it's really important to understand that you're making that statement as a contract and you're signing that contract. Now, the, the, the act gives that, that authority to the individual, to the pilot himself or herself. It does not give that authority to the airline. The airline cannot sign that form. The airline cannot make that health statement on your behalf.
And this is what they're doing right now. What the airline, what the, all the airlines are doing, and my airline as well, is they're forcing the pilots to accept a medical treatment that has serious side effects from myocarditis, pericarditis, to blood clotting, not to mention- And, and to death. Clotting, and to death, that's right. And under duress. And then these pilots are going and making those statements. Those statements cannot, cannot be lawful. There's no way a statement like that can be lawful. Well, I think, I think you're absolutely correct. And this is a hugely important point that you're bringing up. And I'd like to talk more about it in the second half of the show, because it also ties in with another aspect of the violation, airlines violation of the FAA regulations. This is Dr. Lee for America here with Captain Saliba, who is exposing the ways in which the major airlines are continuing their attack on airline pilots and airline safety that affects all of us, not just those in the plane. We'll be right back after the break. Check out our website, www.truthforhealth.org, and listen to us every day, Monday through Friday at 12 noon and 12 midnight on America Out Loud Talk Radio Network, and also at www.whistleblowerreports.org and our Cloud Hub and Rumble channels. We will be right back. Welcome back to the second half of the Whistleblower Report. And we are here with Captain Saliba talking about airline safety and the threats to the flying public with the major airlines continuing to violate FAA regulations and to force issues around the COVID mandates that are affecting safety for all of us. And before the break, Captain Zaliba was talking about the medical certificates with the pilots being now in the very dangerous position of having been coerced to get the experimental COVID shot that we, even Pfizer's data from the clinical trial, such as it was, was showing all of the adverse events that we've been seeing emerge since the shots were rolled out that were initially covered up. And now we know we're in the, in the data before the shots were launched. Pilots are especially vulnerable to that because of altitude and pressure changes and prolonged sitting in the cockpit, dehydration. There are a lot of factors that affect pilots' unique risk. But the FAA actually violated its own requirements that have been present throughout my whole medical career when pilots were not allowed to take any experimental medication and they were not allowed and, and, and then be cleared for a medical certificate to fly a commercial aircraft. And then they were not allowed to take a newly approved F- FDA approved medication for at least one year after approval to allow for post-marketing safety studies to be sure there were no risk emerging as the, the newly approved drug was rolled out across a broader pub- population. That's been true for my whole medical career. And suddenly 
that requirement was thrown out the window and all pilots, all flight crews were forced and, and all airline personnel were coerced to get the experimental COVID shot. And then what you heard Captain Saliba saying is that then the airlines were coercing the pilots to get the shot that damaged their health and then turn around and sign the medical certificate statement that they were in good health. It's, it's a stunning revelation. And I hope that you are able to bring these issues into a court case that will help to shine light on these abuses. Yes, I am. I am actually doing that. And uh, currently I am at the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals in uh, San Francisco uh, because my case in uh, the lower court was dismissed on really uh, silly ruling uh, that the one the one cause of action that is the most important one for me is the authority of the pilot over health decisions he makes that directly affect his, his his medical certification and as i mentioned earlier the contractual ability with with the people that that the pilot carries so um it is at the court of appeals level the argument is really straight straightforward and that is uh, a medical certificate is a public policy and the airlines or the unions cannot supersede or invade public policy. And that's exactly what they did. Yes, you're right. Both of them, the the unions negotiated payments for the the, the shots. And they, within 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 that structure of that agreement, they included one paragraph that says, well, this is the incentive only uh, the incentive was like uh, one extra day vacation for the following year and $50 worth of, and in my, you know, with my airline, $50, $50 worth of points, whatever the system is. I don't, I don't use that at all, at all. But they said that is the incentive. But guess what? If you want to take the shot and you have a trip, say a four day trip, uh, we'll pay you for it. You just stay home, go take the shot and we'll pay you for it. And pilots being very smart, um, some who, as a matter of fact, I had a co-pilot explain this to me. Uh, he would, we use a bidding system to create our schedule. So he would, he said, well, what I did was I bid for two, say, four-day trips, which are worth a lot of money. And then I scheduled my uh, shot uh, on the last day of the first trip. And since the FAA said I had to wait 48 hours, guess what? I dropped both trips, got paid for them, stayed at home and took the shot. And then I do the same thing for the second shot. Oh, my so, heavens. So the, he, he capitalized on the agreement that the union made with the company. All the while, legally, they cannot do that because it is public policy. They're invading public policy. And that is in my second lawsuit against my union. So, and, and that, that day with, that, with this one specific co-pilot, he told me that, and then we were still at the gate. He pulled up his cell phone and showed me how his stock in Pfizer is going up. 
and and just about hit me right there. I'm like, I don't believe it. This guy is killing himself and investing in the tool that's killing him. It's unbelievable. It really is. The more wacky it is, <clears throat> excuse me, the more wacky it is, the more illogical it is, it seems, the more attractive it is. And people... And he hope. didn't even see what he was doing. <clears throat> no. No. And the, and the irony is, he later told me that, oh, I took him, but I wouldn't give him to my daughter because I have concerns of fertility. I'm like, really, there's no logic whatsoever. Logic just went out the, went out, went out the window. It's, it's gone. There's no logic. Fear does that. And greed. And, and greed. Yes. You, you know, I remember Nikita Khrushchev threatening America in the 50s mm -hmm. when he said, I mean, I wasn't, I was a tiny child and I don't remember it except on videos. But he said, America will fall on its own through its own system and its own capitalism. And essentially, that's a paraphrase of what he said, but that's that's essentially what you just described. This, this co-pilot is jeopardizing his own health and his own life for the almighty dollar extra payments. And yet he turns right around and doesn't see that he did for his life what he did not want to do for his daughter's life. That's correct. Not only his life, but the passengers' lives. Well, exactly. So, so the courts, the courts are gonna argue, or they're going to um, present the argument that uh, risk versus benefit, right? Oh well, the benefit is way, way higher than the risk if you receive the shot and therefore the airlines have that right to demand the shot when in reality it's completely the opposite when i carry 600 people throughout a day let's say two or three different flights i'm exposing up to 600 people on that day to the risk of me having a heart attack or uh uh, you know, uh, 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 this uh, uh, just just being completely out of the picture, or stroke, or losing consciousness, or That's right, incapacitation, um, and incapacitation is on the rise. I've never, in my thirty-eight years, I've never heard of so many pilots being incapacitated. Never. Well, and aren't there a a skyrocketing number of in-flight emergencies, both passengers, flight crew, and pilots? Probably, I, I don't keep track of, of uh, too much of that, but uh, it seems like every other day I hear about a pilot being incapacitated or died from a stroke or, or, uh, or something. And young, young pilots, um, middle to late 40s, uh, or even younger. Just we just had a United Airlines pilot. Uh, they announced his death. I think he was 46. Mm, okay. We used to have obituaries... Uh, 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 published on our on our pilot portal for the airline. They don't do that anymore. Uh, seems, seems we know why they don't because there are too many people dying. That's I I <laughs> I presume that is the that is the case. I presume that is the case. Um, now now so we we uh, let me let me talk a little bit about the legal the legal aspect of 
of where I'm at because it, it really is important. I am determined that if the Ninth Circuit does not uh, rule in my favor, I'm taken to the Supreme Court because this is a question of safety, a question of law, and it has to be answered. Well, Airlines, and it's also a question of bodily integrity. That too. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm focused on the law aspect of it because I believe that it's more black and white and uh, it's more clear. There are, the lines are better defined than uh, the medical side of the equation. I completely agree with you. Uh, medical autonomy must be respected. Well, and I was thinking also from the standpoint of the law under the Constitution, we have the core human right to life. That, that is correct. That is correct. But you see, and we have to learn. When we, they coerce the, the mandate and they are making it a legal requirement to keep your job to get the shot, well, they are risking your life. That, that is correct. That is correct. But remember, there are other areas in the law that says, you know, you, you're free to ask whatever you want to ask for. If the individual consents, you just created a contract. Yes. And when you create a contract, the Constitution is on hold. Your rights are on hold. You just agreed to something. And this is why it is really, I think, important to understand that. I mean, we do that on a daily basis, right? We do that on a daily basis. We are offered something, we accept it. And then that's that we just create a relationship. We created a contract. This is our right to contract under the constitution. So, so, so now we can't argue, we, we have to use their argument against them. And this is, I'm using part of that in my, in my, uh, uh, arguments at the, at the Ninth Circuit. And uh, I am confident that I will be successful. But uh, uh, to, to elaborate a little bit on that, um, the medical certificate, like I said, is public policy. Neither the company or the airline or the union can invade the public policy. And what the airline had done, the FAA came out and said, you may take the shot. Remember, the, the, the FAA governs not only the airline pilots, but it governs, it governs any pilot who carries a medical certificate. Roughly, there are 720,000 pilots in the United States at the end of 2022. That's, these are numbers from the FAA. Now, all these pilots carry a medical certificate. Now, you might argue that the FAA says, well, you know, we're presented with this pandemic who might kill you, right? Who are we to tell you you have to wait a year after the drug that saves your life before you can take it. So they can use that argument. I think that is a ridiculous argument, but that's what they will use to defend their decision to waive the one-year period after the uh, approval of the drug. None of this was approved, and there was no one-year period went out the window. That's, that's a clear deviation from their past practice. But here's the kicker. So when they do that, they say, you may take the, the, the shot, but you have to comply with another regulation. And this is the central focus that I started, started with 
early on, and that regulation is 14 CFR, paragraph 6153. And in it, it says that no person may act as pilot in command or in any other pilot capacity as a crew member when while that person knows or has a reason to know of any medical condition that would cause him to not meet the standards of the medical certificate issued under under the under the standards right by, uh, by the FAA so so that rule gives the pilot the authority to make that decision it doesn't tell you if you are suffering from the condition you don't have to be suffering from the condition you have to make that decision if you know or you have a reason to know of any medical condition that would cause you to not meet the standard so if you know that the shot might kill you suddenly at some point and you don't know when that's going to happen they advertised it they said you could you could die from the shot why would you take the shot and go carry 200 people you're not i can't fathom any pilot who is concerned about safety for his own life and his passengers lives who would risk everything to get this shot when it wasn't needed, all they needed to do was give the pilots hydroxychloroquine or ivermectin. And and that's and that's the dilemma. But but I, I can understand because when you have five or six kids and you got the mortgage and you have the payments and all that, and then the only thing that you have is that job and you don't know how to do anything else, what do you do? So it is the evil that the airlines subscribe to and perpetrated on the pilot population is what needs to be attacked this and this is where i'm at this is why i'm so focused on 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 this part of it the the legal part because this is really what they did they violated the law so so here's the other angle so they demanded that the pilots take the shot and pilots under duress under pressure i mean i have a a a, a document showing that the senior VP of flight said, you take the shot or you're fired. Uh, a couple of my colleagues, and, and Tom knows them, took the shot. One died, one is walking around with a defibrillator. Can't fly anymore. Oh my heavens. You know, this, this just has made me so angry as a physician that these, in fact, one of the legal issues that I've been trying to find attorneys to take forward is that when these airline executives and union executives are mandating this shot, they are interfering with medical treatment and practicing medicine without a license. That is correct. I and that's a violation of the law as well. That's strictly a legal issue. Anyone, any citizen who hung up a shingle and was dispensing medical advice and had not been to medical school and didn't have a license He's guilty of felonies. I, I, I agree with you 100%. 100%. And, and these executives, governors, executives of companies, um, union executives, public health officials, all of them were making medical decisions for individual patients. And they were people who did not have a medical degree and medical license 
to make individual patient recommendations. That, that is correct. That is correct. But then we have to fall back. I, I personally, I fall back to the fact that people consented. Now, I, I personally have risked my career is probably over. Seven years early. December 6th probably was my last flight with the airline. I'm not making the money that I used to make. I'm not making money at all. As a matter of fact, they put me on unpaid leave since August of last year. I don't see how they can legally get away with that. They will do it. They'll do everything they want to do until somebody challenges them. Until they are challenged, they'll keep doing it. And this is where I'm at. This is where I'm at. But, but let me, uh, Dr. Lee, let me circle back to one more point in the legal, on, the, on the legal landscape. And that is when the airlines demanded the shot from all the pilots, and most of the pilots caved and took the shot, effectively the airlines created their own medical standard. You can't even get the job unless you have the shot. That's a standard that's a second tier, I'm calling it a second tier standard that is completely outside public policy. That's their own standard. Therefore, they are violating another regulation that requires them to use pilots that are certified under the FAA. So now, is that legal? Are they, can they create their own medical standard? I don't think so. Well, they weren't supposed to under the FAA legislation. That's right. So they violated that and nobody said anything. The FAA stayed silent and the FAA is guilty of being silent. They should say, no, you can't do that. You can't do that. But here's, the, here's, the, here's another gotcha there. A violation of that sort, for a medical certificate violation, administrative action can only be taken against the pilot. It cannot be taken against the airline because guess what? The authority is given to the pilot through the act only to the pilot. The pilot cannot give that authority to the airline. So in that, with that in mind, every pilot, in my opinion, every pilot who asks for a religious exemption or an accommodation, the, see, the airlines called it accommodation, uh, and the accommodation at my airline was to force the pilot to put a mask on, restrict their breathing. Okay. So what the pilot did is authorize the airline to impose another medical treatment, which he could, which, which legally he cannot do because he doesn't have the authority to give to the airline that authority. The authority was given to him by the people. Remember my earlier description? It was given to him by the people. He's contracting with the people. He cannot give that authority to the airline to impose a medical treatment on him because they can't sign that contract. We sign, every time we go fly, we sign before reporting for duty and before every flight. We're making statement of health. And that statement of health is a contract under the law. You know, you are really bringing up some fascinating issues and I have not heard anyone attorney or pilot explain it as clearly and concisely as you have 
I'm going to talk with you about joining our legal symposium to present these issues so that other attorneys and the public has a better idea of these critical points that you're making. I think this is extremely valuable. I, I believe I agree with you. I have not heard anybody discuss it the way I discuss it. And um, to, to the point that, as I said, consent by, by the pilot consenting to a medical treatment, they actually modified or amended their contract. There's another law that says, uh, it is under the Federal Aviation Act that says that a pilot actually provides transportation. We are providing transportation. We are not just employees. We, under the law, and words are very important in law, pilots provide transportation. So we have, we're providing a commodity. The airlines engage in the business aspect of it, the financial aspect of it. We engage in providing that transportation. So we are actually amending the contract when you consent to a medical treatment. And if you amend the contract, another part of the law that says that if you amend, if you, if you arrive at a contract that is unlawful to begin with, the contract is null and void. Yes, exactly. Right. You know, in, in today's show, we're running out of time, but we're going to have to have you back. And perhaps we can work out a time when both you and Colonel Remfer and Colonel Zetlow, who are former military pilots and, and also commercial pilots, could be talking more specifically about all of these legal issues that the public has no idea are really operative and how devastating it has been to public safety. I'll be, I'll be more than happy. And my, my uh, approach is we are at the top of the food chain in the airline industry, really the pilots are. And yes. if I am able to defeat that demand by the airlines, then it will pave the way for flight attendants. It will pave the way for the mechanics. Mechanics have to have a medical certificate too, by the way. Not as strict as, as pilots, but they, but, but they do. And hopefully it will pave the way for all the injured pilots to recover because uh, the amendment to their working agreement is unlawful. And if it is unlawful, then the whole thing is unlawful. Therefore, they, they cannot be held to that uh, agreement and the, and the airlines are, uh, need to find remedy for that. I would agree completely. And I, I would I certainly, uh, you have my commitment with our efforts with the foundation to help things in the court of public opinion, as well as doing what we can to help in the, um, your legal battle. Mm -hmm. I, I just am very grateful for your analysis of all of this, your courage and your persistence in going on the offense to defend our core freedoms and our safety and our lives. This is Dr. Lee for America and my hat's off to Captain Salima for his courage and his dedication, which affects all of us, America. 
And you listening today need to share this information and help those around you understand your life and safety is on the line when our airlines are abdicating their responsibility to carry out the safety standards that have been there for our entire history of modern aviation. We'll be back again tomorrow with another whistleblower report. Share our reports, share our website information, our vaccine injury treatment guide, our citizens vaccine injury reporting system, and join our crusade. We are silent no more. Truthforhealth.org. Thank you for joining us today. 